facts raise serious questions about the state of the family. But I'll tell you something else that makes preaching on the fifth commandment more difficult than it seems, more complex than ever. And that is that many, perhaps many of you listening right now, are actually kind of still angry with your parents. And you've got reasons why. Some of you grew up in very dysfunctional families. I mean, when you look up dysfunction in the dictionary, there's a picture of your family there, really. Some of you. I've had these conversations with you. I've heard the story of many of you. And, And you grew up in a home where there weren't a lot of consistent values not only taught, but they certainly weren't lived out. Some of you grew up in, in homes where your mom and dad was a source, uh, were the source of a lot of pain for you. They constantly verbally put you down. They did not nurture confidence in you. Perhaps you were outright abused. And so before we can meaningfully grapple with the fifth commandment, it's almost like there needs to be some repair work done to the relationship before you could begin to meaningfully honor your mother or or father. The question is not what happened to us. A more important question is what we do about what happened to us. I would encourage you, if you grew up in a family where there was a lot of pain and there wasn't good nurture and there wasn't good modeling, and so you always dread it when the fifth commandment kind of comes up or when it rolls around, I would urge you to, by God's grace, not get stuck in the past. So let me go down this one little side road for a moment before we get right to the commandment and what it means. A true story back from uh, the days long ago, a time centuries ago when life was a little sterner, I guess, than it is today and penalties more harsh. Two young brothers, both teenagers, stole some sheep from a neighboring farmer. And when these two young men were caught, the owners of the sheep, again, this is brutal, but they branded these two young men with an ST on their forehead. It stood for sheep thief. And one of the two young men just couldn't take it. He couldn't deal with that brand. And he just ran away from home and ran from pillar to post. He lived a life of desperation as he went from town to town. And people would say, hey, what does that stand for? And he just couldn't face what he had done. He just couldn't deal with it emotionally. He died a desperate man living out on the streets. He died far too early never being able to face or deal with his background. But the other brother stayed where he was. He worked the farm. He grew up to be a very respectable, honorable man, raised a family of his own, and made himself a very productive and respected member of the community. And about 25 years after that incident occurred, a newcomer came into the town, and after being there, he said, hey, he talked to an old-timer. He said, what is it with this guy with this brand on his forehead? What does that ST stand for? And the old-timer said, well, I don't remember all the particulars, but I think it stands for saint. Do you see the difference? 
You see, it's not what happened to us. It's what we do about what happened to us. It's not even about what we ourselves have done. It's about how we can grow and move beyond that place. And so I challenge you today in this message, as we talk about the fifth commandment, whatever your family background was like, I challenge you to have ears to hear. And by God's grace, no matter how dysfunctional your past was growing up with your family of origin, I encourage you to be a receiver of God's grace today. I myself, my own story, is a story of amazing redemption coming from a family that had tremendous dysfunction and problems. But I have determined by God's grace to reverse the curse, if you will. I've determined not to get stuck by God's grace in the past and to be held back by the hurts and habits and hang-ups of my family of origin and to allow God to take me into a brand new bright future. That's my story. I hope that will be your story too. So the fifth commandment reads like this. Let's look at it together. It says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now this commandment is a foundation stone for a healthy society. And I'm struck by that phrase, so that you may live long in the land. Now, let me just say a few opening comments before we dive into some practical suggestions of how to do this. First of all, I want you to know that this is not a promise that you're going to live a long life if you honor your father and mother. It's not a personal promise for longevity, in other words. There are lots of people who've been wonderful children, honored their mom and dad tremendously, but they died early. So this isn't a personal promise. This is a promise that has to do with the power of a healthy family in a nation. God is saying to the Israelite people, his chosen people, so many centuries ago, look, if your families are strong, if you're honoring father and mother, if you're building these values into your family life, your nation is going to be strong and you are going to endure as a nation in this special land I've given you. Because folks, hear me, the story of the nation is simply the story of its families written large. And one of the reasons that the United States has been such a relatively healthy, prosperous nation, I assure you, is because for so many centuries and decades of the past, we have had generally healthy family values. I believe we're reaching a tipping point where a lot of that is changing. The statistics seem to show that. But we still have a choice personally of what we're going to do. So it's not a promise for personal longevity here. The second thing I'd want you to see is that this fifth commandment is what I call the bridge commandment. In other words, it's a transition from the first four to the last five. The first four we've already looked at. Put God first. Honor him above all else. No other gods before me. No graven images. Don't take my name in vain. Honor the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Honor the Sabbath principle. Those are the first four. And the, 
ones that follow today are going to be, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't covet. The first four have to do with our relationship with God vertically. The last five, really six, have to do with our horizontal relationships with others. But commandment number five is the bridge commandment. It bridges both parts together. You say, well, how does that work? Well, let me quickly explain. You see, you really learn first to honor God largely through what you experienced in your home. I, as a pastor, I have seen this illustrated in real life over and over and over again. I've had people through the years I've been talking to, had them sit in my office years ago, and they would say, you know, I just have trouble relating to God as Father, the way Jesus said. And I said, well, why is that? Because my father was just so mean. He was absent. He was clueless. My dad was a horrible father. And so I read in the Bible that God is like a father. I just don't know what to do with that. And so because of the earthly relationship in the home, one's vertical relationship with God has been frustrated. On the other hand, I've had people look me in the eye and say, you know what, I just really get this God of love that the Bible teaches us about. And I say, well, why is that? Because, you know, I grew up in a family where mom and dad were so loving. I can really identify because I saw that approximated in my parents. I saw a glimpse of that in my mom and dad. They're such amazing people, and I experienced unconditional love from them. So when you tell me about a God who loves us unconditionally, wow, I'm right there because I already know what that feels like. You see, so much of what we understand about God, we first got it through our parents because to a little child, parents are almost godlike. Almost godlike to a little child. But on the other hand, the reason I call this such a powerful bridge commandment that bridges the vertical with the horizontal is because it's in the home where we also first learn how to relate to other people in a healthy way. We learn first about authority in the home. And trust me, brothers and sisters, if a child doesn't learn authority from their parents, they're really going to struggle with the police officer, with the school teacher, with the community leader, and with the church leader in the future if they don't understand authority early on in the home. If they don't understand communication, if they don't learn that in the home, guess what? They're going to be crippled throughout life. They're going to have this handicap because they didn't learn that early on. I spoke with a couple not that long ago. And they were struggling with communication and particularly conflict management in their marriage. And the woman in particular, she just, whenever they got in the least little scrape together as a married couple... She literally went into panic attacks and just, she couldn't handle it and just, just emotionally checked out. And I tried to probe that a little bit. And she said, well, when we had conflict in our home growing up, all I ever saw was violence. 
and things began to be thrown and pots were smashed and glass was broken and people started being hit and that's, that's all I ever experienced. And so when, when I, I know it may seem irrational, but when we start having conflict, I just never saw conflict managed in a healthy way. And this was an aha moment for her that what a powerful influence her family of origin had been. Even on her understanding that conflict is not your enemy. It can be your friend if it's just managed well. But we learn all of that first in our family of origin. We learn it from our mom and dad and how things are managed in the home. What a powerful bridging commandment this is. Somebody said parents are supposed to give their children roots so that they may grow and wings so that they may fly. Roots so that they may grow, wings so that they may fly. And so many of these things happen first in the home when children are little. This is a powerful and extremely important commandment. This is the bridge commandment that puts all the others together. And so because God designed families to be healthy, this powerful incubator, because as the twig is bent, so grows the tree. So many powerful things happen in the home early on. Because it's designed that way, God gave a severe penalty whenever this commandment was not really obeyed. Now, we looked at this not long ago, but I quickly want to look at this harsh penalty again. Would you look at it with me from Deuteronomy? If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father and mother. In other words, he's breaking the fifth commandment. Everybody get that? He's breaking the fifth commandment because the way you honor father and mother when you're little in the home, when you're under their care, is you have first-time obedience. And he will not listen to them when they discipline him. His father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him to the elders at the gate of his town. They shall say to the elders, the son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He's a profligate and a drunkard. And he plays too many video games also, you know, something like that. Then all the men of his town shall stone him to death. Woo! You must purge the evil from among you. All Israel will hear of it and be afraid. Now, do you think children had equal rights in ancient Jewish homes? I don't think so. God saw this as such an important principle that there was a harsh penalty for breaking it. Now, just to put your mind at ease, because some of you may be freaking out right now, we have not one example of history of this ever being carried out. But I'll guarantee you a lot of parents threatened it, okay? I'll guarantee you they did. And also, if you're new to the Bible, uh, because that may scare you, I, I, I want you to understand something the Bible teaches that child abuse, everybody listening, the Bible teaches that child abuse is inexcusable. Jesus spoke to that. He said, if anyone harms one of these little ones, one of these little children, it would be better for that person if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Child abuse 
is inexcusable. But are you still listening? It's also inexcusable for children to dishonor and disrespect their parents. That's why this principle of honoring mother and father is a powerful bridging commandment and one we really need to understand. An interesting book from some years ago by David Blankenhorn. He wrote an insightful book about American culture. Let me read one little statement from it to you. The book is entitled Fatherless America, Confronting Our Most Urgent Social Problem. Now, Blankenhorn, by the way, is not a Christian as far as I know, not a follower of Christ. He is a respected secular uh, commentator, writer. His works have appeared in the Washington Post, the New York Times, and USA Today. So this is not uh, some evangelical Christian talking. He writes, and I quote, Tonight, 40% of America's children will go to sleep in homes in which their fathers do not live. The breakdown of the family is the engine driving our most urgent social problems. From crime, to adolescent pregnancy, to child sexual abuse, to domestic violence against women. Fatherless America. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do about this? Those of us who are followers of Christ, those of us who are considering the claims of Christ in our life and wondering what our own worldview and what our own lifestyle is going to be, I would urge you to take this principle very seriously and try to live it out in your home. I would urge you young people, and I'm going to spend a lot of my time in the coming comments focusing on those young people who are still in the home, still under the protection, the provision of your parents in the home, or if you're in a single parent home, under the protection, provision of your mom or dad. But there's an intriguing verse from the Old Testament that I've often gone back to whenever this subject comes up. It's from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 6. Look at what it says. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. The ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. Now, the reason I go back to that verse repeatedly is because I think it's a snapshot of modern America. And as so many in our culture, the ancient paths worked. The ancient paths had a father and a mother who loved God and who sought to live before their children in such a way that their kids would catch it because more is caught than taught in the home. The ancient paths taught children respecting their parents. It taught order, not chaos in the home. It taught a home where there were values that helped people to flourish and be all God designed them to be. But notice it said, we stood there and said, no, we don't want that path anymore. We're going to do our own thing. Brothers and sisters, I believe that Satan is sifting us like wheat as a culture. He wants to kill and steal and destroy. And I'm concerned today about your family. And so that's why I speak with such passion. 
Because I have seen Satan, I have seen the enemy of our souls go after families in this congregation at all of our locations. And I've seen him go after moms and dads and kids. And Satan's desire is to rip the family apart. So what are we going to do about it? Are we going to do our own thing, go our own way? Are we going to seek after the ancient path that I assure you works? I hope you'll choose. I hope you'll choose God's path. I hope if you're a parent, you'll choose to give your children roots so that they might grow and wings so that they might fly. I hope that if you're a child still wondering what this commandment means for you, whatever your age, whatever your age, I hope you'll listen carefully and you'll be one with a heart that says, I want to appropriately honor my father and mother. So let me sit down now. And I want to quickly, I'm just going to be very quick and walk you through eight suggestions on ways that you can do that. Six, or excuse me, eight suggestions on how you can better honor your father and mother. And then we'll just quickly wrap, wrap up today. All right, here we go. Number one, if you want to walk in this ancient way, if you want to do this in a way that would honor God, I, I would suggest, first of all, that you honor your parents by respecting their role. Now, young people in the home, here's what that means. One of the things you should go after is first-time obedience. Uh, you, you should be ready to obey your mom and dad. Now, here's what this means. You obey what they ask you to do as long as they're not asking you to do something that is against God's will. And I hope if you're a follower of Jesus, you're increasingly learning what God's will is. If they ask you to go steal something from somebody or do something that would be wrong, then, then you shouldn't do that. You should obey God. But I would say that for most of you, that's never going to be an issue. And God's looking for first-time obedience so our parents don't have to become nagging and repeating and complaining parents continuing to try to get us to obey. I was so uh, intrigued by something that Ann Lander said. A teenager who was chafing under the, the dominion of his mother wrote to Ann Lander sometime back and said, I am 15 years old and my biggest problem is my mother. This young man says, look, all she does is nag, nag, nag from morning until night. It's Turn off the TV, do your homework, wash your neck, stand up straight, go clean up your room. How can I get her off my case? Signed, pick, pick, pick. And I like Ann Lander's response. Dear Picky, turn off the TV, do your homework, wash your neck, stand up straight, go clean up your room. In other words, do what your parents ask you to do. It just begins right there by respecting their role as parents. They may be far from perfect. Let's get the record straight. No parent is perfect. Most of us are far from it. But you can still respect the role that the parent is in because parenting is not for cowards. It's one of the most challenging things anyone is ever called to do. And young people, one day when you're a parent, you'll know what I'm talking about. Respect that role. Second, you also honor them by addressing them with respect. I would encourage you as families not to have a jocular, disrespectful expressions toward the parents. Uh, your dad is not the old man. 
uh, you're not, as one young teenager said to me, my mom the nag. That was his name for his mother, my mom the nag. I, I, I wouldn't have that kind of language in the home. Whether you call them father, mother, dad, mom, mommy, whatever, whatever the endearing phrase is, I would encourage you to use that and use it respectfully and have conversation with your parents. That's a part of respecting them. I think a lot of young people are guilty of solo word syndrome. You know what solo word syndrome is? How'd school go today? Fine. Did you have a pretty good day? Yep. Do you have much homework to do? Nope. And then that same young person goes to their room and spends two hours talking in an animated fashion to their friends on the phone. And you may say as a young person, well, my mom and dad are boring. Well, you're not exactly bringing a lot of energy into the home either. Do you get it? So, again... I would encourage you to honor them by addressing them with respect. And when it seems that your mom or your dad want to just have a little conversation, actually talk. It might be a new sensation for you. Okay? It might be a new experience. And you discover that your parents are actually pretty cool people. You just didn't know it. Number three, you honor them by telling them the truth. One young guy, he had a curfew of midnight, but he came in late, came in just as the cuckoo clock in the house was striking 1 a.m. He panicked. But he said, it was one of the most brilliant moves of my life when I immediately cuckooed 11 times myself, <laughs> trying to get my parents to think it was only midnight. Don't lie, young people, about your whereabouts. Don't lie about where you're going or what you're doing or who you're going to be with. Basically, get rid of deception. We have a rule in our home. Look, you can fail at something. You can let us down. Our rule as parents was, look, you may, you may do things that you know would displease us, but one thing we're not going to tolerate is dishonesty. This is going to be a place where honesty is practiced. Even if it's embarrassing, even if we're all disappointed, even if it makes us mad, we're going to be honest. And I would encourage you to do the same. Dishonesty will simply not be tolerated in this home. Proverbs 12, reads, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. Number four, you honor your parents by keeping confidences. Now, by keeping confidences, again, and this is what makes teaching on this so complex in a culture like this, because so many families are dysfunctional, by keeping confidences, I'm not talking about criminal activity. And you say, well, it's our little family secret. I'm not talking about abuse. Oh, it's our little secret. It's just in the family here. I'm not talking about stuff like that. Immorality, dishonesty. I'm talking about honest problems that maybe your mom and dad are working on or your siblings are working on. Don't go airing your dirty laundry to people out there who aren't responsible enough to handle it. Honor confidences. The Bible says love always protects. Think protectively about your family. Present your family, your children, if your parents, your mom and dad or your siblings, if you're, if you're a child in the home, 
present your family to others outside the family in the best light possible. Number five, you honor them by talking positively about them behind their backs. One of the things that bothers me personally, as much as almost anything, is when young people in the home disrespect their parents to others. And they rip on their dad, they rip on their mom, they, they say derogatory things about them behind their back. Don't make fun of your parents to others. You're choosing a cheap way to get attention, and you're violating this fifth commandment. Laugh at yourself. Don't laugh at them. You better learn to laugh at yourself because one day your kids are going to laugh at you. I'll guarantee you. It's going to happen. They say, Mom, Dad, you really listen to that music? That's so gross. Ooh, how did you like that music? They're going to laugh at you. Learn to laugh at yourself. Number six, you honor them by not taking advantage of the fact that they can be naive at times. Now, in every culture, in every century, parents have been a bit naive at times about the latest developments in technology, in music, in fashion, in all these different cultural expressions. And so your dad may not know really how to use his smartphone. Help him learn how. Don't, don't make fun of him because he's naive about that. He may not understand the latest social media language. Well, help him learn. Help him learn how to use his own Facebook page if he has one or how to use Twitter account or how, how to use various social media. You honor your parents, number seven, by forgiving their failures. Maybe your parents have gone through painful divorces, more than one. Maybe they've got huge moral blots on their own character. Maybe they've got a a sad, sad story of failure in business or in other arenas of life. Instead of exploiting their failure, seek to forgive them and help them. Seek to, especially if your parents are not followers of Jesus. Look, you may be the closest to Jesus they ever get. That you may be the best walking billboard for Christ that they ever see. You're Jesus with skin on to them. Do Do you understand that, young person? If your mom and dad don't know Christ yet, if they don't embrace your values, listen, seek to represent Jesus well to them. And you may be amazed at the impact you have. I've been so intrigued through the years at how many moms and dads I've met. This is such an exciting fact to me. Guess what? They came to know Christ through their kids. Huge number of people in our Grace Fellowship family, that's what happened. The mom and dad first came to know a true relationship with Jesus because their kids came to know Christ first and represented Jesus well in the home. I find that very exciting. And finally, number eight, you honor your parents by affirming their effort. In other words, express appreciation for what they've done for you. Instead of complaining about what you don't have, show thankfulness and appreciation for what you do. 
Let them know you appreciate them working hard and, and putting a roof over your head and, and buying clothes so that you can go to school or helping you go to college or whatever it would be. Do you ever stop and let your parents know you're proud of them? I'm intrigued by this proverb, Proverbs 17, verse 6. Look at what it says. Parents are the pride of their children. Now, does that strike you as strange? Don't we think of it as just the opposite? Children are the pride of the parents, right? That's what we think it is. But this says parents are the pride of their children. Let them know that you're proud of them. Let them know that you appreciate what they've done for you. I didn't, didn't wise up to that until my father had almost passed away, but I'm so thankful that as an older teenager, as I was learning what it meant to be a Christ follower, I went to my dad, and I, I actually, I'm so thankful that I thanked him for some things before he passed away. Things he had done for me, things he had provided. And I had lots of opportunity to do that for my mom before she actually passed away. Deuteronomy 5.16 promises a blessing to children who will honor their parents. It says, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. I'm struck by that phrase, it may go well with you. So let me just illustrate as we move toward our close what that might look like in the home. A typical Saturday in a home in this area might look something like this. Teenager sleeps in until 11 a.m., would sleep longer, but his mom says, it's time for you to get up. I want you to get out of that bed. I want you to clean up this room. I can't believe this room. It's like a pigsty. I want you to put these things away, get this dirty laundry down into the, uh, you know, the basement, uh, and, and make your bed up, for goodness sakes. I, I can't stand this. It's time to get up. And the teenager won't get up, and he lingers and lingers, and, and mom comes in three more times, and finally at 11.30, he rolls out of bed, doesn't make the bed up. He just kind of puts it over the pillow and throws some dirty things into the drawers just to make it look a little better. And she said, I can't believe this. You're such a disgrace. You're really going to make life hard for somebody you marry someday. And there is trouble in the home. There's chaos. And the tension is so thick you can cut it with a knife. And things aren't going well with you like that verse says. They're just not going well with you. Teenagers, I appeal to you. Young people, I appeal to you. Learn from this. How much better it would be if when your mom says, get up, out of bed, you bound out of that bed. You make your bed so neatly, you can drop a dime on it and it'll bounce. You put those dirty clothes away. You even take down that poster of your favorite metal band that you know annoys your mom and dad. The room looks immaculate. You walk down and say, mother and father, is there anything else I could do to make Life a little easier for you today. I know you worked so hard all week long to make life good for me and my siblings. Is there anything else I could do to help you? And your mom and dad are so proud in that moment. They're ready to hit the road and go do seminars in churches all across America on how to be great parents. That's how good they feel in that moment. And later on in the day, Instead of when you ask for 40 bucks to go to the mall with your friends to see a movie and hang out, 
your dad explodes at you in the first scenario and says, I can't believe you would ask for that. You don't lift a finger around here. You never do any work, and things aren't going well for you. If you would only get wiser and understand that when you help a little bit, when you show respect, your dad is going to say to you, I can't believe what a great child you are. Listen, here's 80 bucks. <laughs> and I know you'd much prefer to stay home and play Scrabble with your mom and I or watch the Food Network. But you know what? Go have a good time with your friends. Stay as late as you want. Now, you may think that's an exaggeration, and maybe it is. But what I'm saying to you today is we've all got a decision to make, don't we? Parents have a decision to make. You can reverse the curse of your past. If you didn't have a great family of origin, listen, you can help create one. And children, if it hasn't gone well with you in the past, today is the day to change that. And it all comes down to a choice. Honor your father and your mother. Father, Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that we do have a choice to make in this. And thank you, Lord, that you designed the family as that very first unit, the foundation for the community, for the nation. Help us, Lord. Help us to have families that are healthy, flourishing, where it's, they're life-giving, where people become all they were designed to be, families that are a model because we're simply walking according to the ancient paths that you've laid down. This is our prayer, Lord, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's continue to worship God today with our tithes and offerings. Listen, our team is going to lead us. Ushers, would you please come and receive our tithes and offerings right now as we continue to worship?
Thank you, Caleb and worship band. Pastor Rex, thank you so very much for that message. I wish I, got, I had heard that message when I was a teenager. I never had my dad say, hey, here's 80 bucks, go to the mall. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the prayer team will be in a prayer corner, and they'll be more than happy uh, to pray with you, to pray for you. If there's somebody in your heart that you want to pray for, they'll join you in doing that. Uh, at the end of the service, they'll be right there in the corner. Please do enjoy the rest of this weekend. May God bless you, be a blessing to others, and I will see you next weekend.